Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dano, and with me we have Pato. Welcome, Pato. Thanks, mate. Pleasure to be here. Uh, let's just fucking start this shit now, Pato. We, I've got to do my... um. My challenge from two weeks ago, um, well, sorry, last week, whatever it was, fucking, I can't remember. Anyway, I've got uh, my blend up of um, cranberry juice, tuna, and some Just Right cereal. And, Pato, what have you got blended up? Because you fucking lost last week. I did. Thanks, Josh Kelly. But I have tuna, spinach, soy sauce, and milk. Okay, well... I always usually take the honours because it's only ever me that loses. So you go first this time, Pato. I'm going first. All right, I've got a bin right next to me just in case. Yep, yep. I've got a nice Mornington Pale Ale also to wash it down. I don't know how good it's going to taste after this concoction. The uh, the smell is horrific, but um, I'm just going to go for it. Go, chug-a-lug. Oh, fuck. It's going to be any better. <laughs> right, that um, it's all in my beard. That's disgusting. Uh, uh, I better stop laughing because now I've got to go. <sighs> okay, okay. Okay, I actually damn it this time rather than fucking vomiting it up. Ooh. I uh, have remnants all over my laptop. Oh, no. I, I wore a white shirt, everyone, and because <laughs> I've got cranberry juice, it's just gone down my white shirt. Oh, I forgot to change. That's a, that's a not a good idea. Oh, no. It's gone a bit pink there. Anyway, um, it wasn't as bad as I thought, Pato. you got to pick better concoctions because it mainly really just tasted did. like Cranberry juice with a little bit of the floaties is what got me. But anyway, um, we'll move on to injuries uh, while Pato is trying to recover his beard. So yeah, Robbie I mean- Gray, <laughs> Robbie Gray, uh, PCL injury. He's out for eight weeks. Yeah, he's if you traded him in last round, unfortunately, got to piss him off. Anyway, what's going on with Lockie Jones, Pato? Yeah, Lockie Jones, ping the hammy, uh, three to four weeks. So look, at this stage of the season, it'd be pretty tough to hold on to him. That's even if he does get back into that team. But, I mean, it depends on what bench cover you have in that defense line. But, yeah, it's an awkward one at three to four weeks. Um, you either hold him or you, you piss him off for someone cheap. Yeah, piss him off, I say. Anyway, Mitch Duncan, another bloke that you got to piss off. He's done his knee. Um, don't know what exactly has he done, Pato. Is it a PCL or what's the go? Yeah, I'm fairly sure it was a PCL. Um, but it was a more serious one. So they're saying eight to 12. So... He'll miss most of the rest of the season. They'll hope to get him back for finals. But if you brought him in as a POD um, or Robbie Gray, really unlucky, but you're going to have to trade him out. It's just too long on the sidelines and you'll have to turn him into a different primo, unfortunately. Um, Chankuth GF, otherwise known as CJ, uh, he had a knock and he's listed as a test putto. Um, We've also got Hawkins. This is the one that was worrying me on the weekend. Uh, What happened with Hawkins? Yeah, I saw it happen live and it, 
was eerily similar to the Brody Grundy injury where it really didn't look like much happened, but you can just tell that they've pinched something. Um, they were very conservative with Grundy. This is Collingwood, obviously, um, because he's done that sort of injury a few years ago, but they reckon Tom Hawkins will play. Uh, whether that's a mistake or not, I'm no neck nerve neck injury expert, so obviously not for me to say. Uh, but, yeah, he should play, I would say. They've got a big game on Thursday night, is it, or yep, Friday? Yep, whatever. Thursday whatever night. Um, so I dare say he'll play against the Lions. Yep, yep, yep. Josh Kelly, Paddo's um, favourite player of last weekend, um, done his ankle. Um, well, he rolled it in the game and he played through it and he just didn't look like the normal Josh Kelly that we come to know and love. So um, he and as well as um, young Bobby Hill will get tested throughout the week. Um, but the last one here is Jaron Geary. Now he's out for the season, Pato, but what does that mean in terms of Supercoach? So in terms of Supercoach, I reckon that means Tommy Highmore should keep his spot. I mean, he was magnificent two weeks ago. So if he gets dropped after that performance, Brett Ratton needs his head read. And we, we said that for weeks. Everyone said that for weeks when he wasn't getting games, when we all needed him to get games. But I can't see him getting dropped, A, because of his performance two weeks ago, but B, because Jaron Geary is not going to come in. And that just means if you're still holding on to Tom Highmore, he might make another 150, 200K for you. And may even pump out 100s in the role that he played two weeks ago. So you'd be laughing if you're a Tommy Highmore holder. Yeah, I'm fucking not fucking Tommy Highmore. Anyway, rookies on the bubble. Um, everyone's favourite ruckman, Ned Reeves, you've put down as number one here, Pato. Um, 123K ruck, minus 100 break even, 86 average. What's it mean? Does is does Segler play? What, what goes on, Pato? Yeah, really tale of two weeks for Segler. He played the game of his life last week um, and was pretty poor this week. And there's rumours that he might be on the chopping block in favour of Reeves, which is clearly just a, a, a youth movement at the Hawks, which, I mean, they've got nothing to play for, so I don't know why they're playing 30-year-old rucks. Um, Segler would be lucky to stay on the list next year. But, yeah, hopefully Ned Reeves can come into the team. A um, bit late for me because Brody Grundy is returning this weekend from all reports. So I don't really need his score anymore. So he's just going to be a bench cover for me for the rest of the year. Um, and at the number one ruck roll, uh, he, he could score pretty decent. Yep, yep. Luke Edwards of West Coast Eagles, 117K mid, minus 91 break even, 80 average. His job security is a worry of me. Shuey on the weekend in the waffle um, came back with 20-odd touches. They eased him back into it, and he just found the pill like no tomorrow. So um, I don't like Luke Edwards' chances. Um Tim Kelly, is he back as well? Yeah, he's either this week or next week. So that does spell trouble for Luke Edwards. I know they really like him and they really liked his game for a couple of weeks before their bye. But, I mean, he's not knocking Luke Shuey or Tim Kelly out of that midfield or Elliot Yo or Andrew Gaff. So he'll either stay in the team and adopt a far less super coach attractive role or he'll get dropped and he'll be very unlucky to get dropped, but that's part and parcel of being a rookie on a top eight team is sometimes you'll play well and still make room for your bigger stars. Yep. Luke Foley's another one, 161K defender, minus 56 break even, 51 average, 82 in his last game versus Richmond, but Alex Witherden um, came back quite well in the waffle as well and looked like he was moving very, very good. Um, so, Witherden might come back this week, which puts question marks over Foley's job security, doesn't it, Pato? 
Yeah, Foley was really impressive against the Tigers a couple of weeks ago. He had one sub-affected score, I believe. So that means his 51 average is a little bit misleading. He's had a couple of really solid games with that half-back line with Witherden going out with injury. But um, him and McGovern are both really not that far away. So that's a bit scary for the West Coast Eagles. They're going to become good at the right time of the year. But I don't think Luke Foley holds his spot, sadly. Another one that's really unlucky, but, yeah, that, as I said, part and parcel of being a rookie on a good team. Yep, yep. John Newcomb, 102K mid. Pretty much everyone has him. Minus 40 break even, 50 average. Now, AFL.com.au's come out and done that, um, who's likely to come in and out. And they've actually said that John Newcomb's likely to get dropped. Now, I say this, do not listen to that website because most of the time I get it wrong. Like last week, they said that, um, who was it from the Giants? Riccardi was coming in and Briggs wouldn't come in. And what happened? Briggs came in and Riccardi didn't. So, and they've said that John Newcomb's likely to get dropped this week, whereas Alastair Clarkson's come out in a press conference saying that he's liked the way that Jai's gone about it the first two weeks and he can't wait to pretty much see how he goes against the Giants, thus confirming that he will pick him. So, anyway, he's got good job security, is what I'm saying. Um, likes to tackle, though, but he's, yeah, he, he needs more of the pill. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, um, the, the columnists that do that afl.com.au article pretty much have to guess at the start of the week what's going to happen for the next weekend. They look at the VFL stats, they look at how they went in the AFL, and they make a somewhat estimated guess. So that would be a pretty hard job to have. They give it a crack, but they're not always right. And I agree with you. Um, Newcomb's absolutely playing next weekend. Now, he was actually rumoured Sunday morning to be maybe a late out. Apparently, he copped a knock a bit of a corky in his debut a couple of weeks ago. So from all accounts, it sounds like he's done well to get up, but just really was probably a little bit too sore. And maybe in hindsight, the Hawks, if they had their time again, may have made him a late out, uh, which would have made a lot of super coaches very annoyed because a lot of us were relying on his score just to get sort of the 15th, 16th player on field. Um, we'll take his 40 odd or whatever he got. But yeah, it looks like he's going to be a little bit like Sam Berry from the Crows where if he's not getting 10 tackles, his score might be a little bit average. But I don't think we're bringing him in as a moneymaker. I think we're just sit there to sit him on, on our midfield bench. And if someone goes out with suspension or injury and we need him to cover for a week, he's there to make have that role. Yeah, pretty much. Hit the nail on the head. Kieran Briggs, 123K mid, uh, sorry, forward slash defender, not a mid. Fucking hell, Dano. Uh, minus 39 break even, 56 average, 69 last round. Now, the Giants will always try and opt to play both Flynn and Mumford in a dual ruck role as long as as long as it's working. It pretty much has been. Now, Briggsy came in because Mummy's old. He's ancient. He's old as fuck and he needed a rest. So if you brought in Briggs last week, don't expect him to necessarily play this week unless Mummy needs another week's rest is what I'm getting at. So don't, if you're relying on him playing and being on the ground, unfortunately, you need to find someone else. That's what I'm saying. What do you reckon... Yeah, I agree. I brought him in last week uh, simply just to play this week. I knew he wasn't going to play every week for the rest of the year, but I also know that Mummy's back is cooked. So, I mean, Mummy might only play once every two or three weeks. And, I mean, Briggs, again, I'm not bringing in to make money. He's simply there to to provide a body from last weekend, which is already done, um, and see what happens from there. Yep. Joel Amity, uh, 195k ruck forward. We've got a lot of rookie ruck forwards this year. Uh, minus 23 break even, 68 average. He's got a fucking good scoring potential. I remember one of the games, I can't remember who it was against. 
he was probably on about 12 or something at halftime, then just shot up to nearly 60-odd in a quarter. So he's got really good scoring potential there, Pato. What do you reckon? Yeah, a um, bit of a key forward, though. He's not rucking too much for the Swans. Uh, he's got a pretty decent set of hands, though, and he's sort of playing as that third tall-up forward for them to give uh, Buddy Franklin a little bit of a chop out and Logan McDonald, he also played. So look, at 195,000, I don't think he's a, an ideal option, but he's pretty good scoring potential. I mean, you compare him to the other forward ruck swings, um, I think it's a decent option if you have that extra 90K. But I must preface that with saying that at this stage of the year, when we're looking for our downgrades, I would be erring towards looking at being a little bit cheaper and looking for the cheaper options because that gives you yep. the difference between Joel Amati and Kieran Briggs, for example, is 70K. And that's the difference between Tom Mitchell and Jack McRae, yep. roughly, for example. Exactly. And I mean, Tom Mitchell's great, but Jack McRae is Jack McRae. And that's what we need to play with that. So just when we're doing our downgrades community, just make sure we're mindful of not necessarily looking for the higher scoring, but be a little bit tighter with those trades. Yep. And we'll move on to the one gamers. So Lockie Bramble, I brought this bloke in last round just because A, he was 102K mid. Um, free up a bit more cash than normal. But B, his V his VFL form's not too bad. So he got a 54. He looked all right. Um, don't know about his job security though. What are your thoughts, Pato, on um on Bramble? Yeah, look, when I did the run sheet uh, earlier today, Morrison was still uh, still wasn't advised as to how bad that hamstring was, but they've since come out and said that it's worse than what it first looked like, and he'll miss a considerable amount of time. So with a hamstring, that whether he's tore it off the bone or not, they haven't quite said. But I mean, that could be a six weeker, and if Bramble has that wing sewn up for the next six weeks, I think we absolutely need to bring him in at 102k. Maybe give him one more week if you're bearing on the side of caution just in case for injury or whatever. We don't need that warm body because we're not in the buys anymore. So, but maybe give him one more week, but that 102K mid is absolute gold at this time of year. Now, we're changing things up a little bit this week in that we're going to start focusing on guys that potentially could debut or could play that are rookie priced. So the first one, we've got Dylan Williams, 123K port mid slash forward. What the fuck did he do in the sandful on the weekend, Pato? He kicked six goals, three or six goals, four. Absolutely took the piss. And this kid could not have timed this any better. With Robbie Gray going down for probably the end of the year, um, at least the regular season. So he might come back for finals and they'll, they'll get him right for finals. But he's done it at the right time of year. He'll probably debut this weekend in Robbie Gray's forward role. Now, whether we think that's fantasy relevant or not remains to be seen. I wouldn't be bringing him in this week because small forwards can be really bad. And when things aren't going right for a small forward, it looks really bad on TV. But this kid could kick goals. He's playing next to Charlie Dixon and, and those sort of guys. So he might be a sneaky one to kick two or three goals a week and uh, have a sneaky good score every week. Yep, yep. Don't mind it, Pato. Um, we'll move on to one that has actually played a game, which is Riley Garcia of the Western Bulldogs. So he's 123K mid. He played that one game, yep, but he got injured. But on the weekend, Pato, he had about 30 touches in the VFL. So could he get a recall, you reckon? Yeah, he's got to be banging on the door. He almost played AFL last weekend by all accounts. So that shows how much they rate him. Um, obviously, he debuted and got concussed in his first quarter of AFL footy, which is 
just about as bad as you could get in terms of a debut game. But look, he's playing midfield for Footscray um, down in the VFL. And I think the only issue is what role is he going to play when he comes in? Is he going to play half forward? Um, it's probably the worst club to be in the reserves team as a midfielder, the Dogs, because their midfield bat's so deep, even with a couple of injuries to their first choice guys. But I mean, he can't be far away from playing that second game. And he has pretty good scoring potential, I think, if he plays. He's just got to crack into the team. Yep, yep. One person that's been knocking on the door that I've heard a few times uh, from some reporters and whatnot on Twitter is Eddie Ford. So 117K North Ford. Um, apparently, he's just been slowly building and building and building. And he, not necessarily this week or next week, but could potentially be a downgrade target in the next few weeks. Yeah, and he's slightly cheaper. So it was 117,000, which, I mean, 6,000 when you think compare him to Riley Garcia really doesn't sound like much. Um, but at this time of year, you need to be as tight as possible, as mm-hmm. I said before. But yeah, from all accounts, he's real close to a debut um, as that sort of small to medium forward, which doesn't sound like a very appealing role in that uh, horrible North team. But they're showing signs. And if they can get some more games down in Tassie, where they've built a bit of a fortress, um, I don't know why they haven't looked at moving the team down there, but that's another can of worms. But uh, yeah, look, he, as you said, he's building at VFL level and he's banging down the door by all accounts. So can't be far away from a debut. Now, before I go on to the next one, how many times have you like done a two trades? You want to complete your team and get the ideal player for you. And you've been, let's say one K short, Pato. Uh, like that week, I brought in Ned Reeves, Matt Flynn, and then tried to do the reverse loophole um, little uh, yeah, the, the loophole trick to reverse your trade. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that was about 4K short and it killed me because I'm still holding Reeves and Matt Flynn dominated over the buyers and that could have been really helpful. But I don't want to think too much more about that. Yep, yep. Well, anyway, the point is, like Pato said, getting these guys that are slightly cheaper can help you just get that player that you want. Um, anyway, we'll move on to Jack Carroll of the Blues, 117K mid. He had 25 touches and four clearances in the VFL. I don't think he will debut this week, um, but the Blues are in crisis mode right now. So I think they'll try anything that they can to shake things up and potentially could bring him in, but I just can't see it happening this week. They've got to find something. Um, they're looking real bad and they've got to be at that crossroads where they keep persisting with these older guys or where they just throw the kids in there. And uh, he's playing midfield at VFL level. Now, I, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you won't know, but I brought in Paddy Dow last week as a, as a cow. Um, scored 61 in a midfield role, so it wasn't horrible. Played about 65% on, on ground and spent so much time on that bench, but he's got a negative break even. So he'll slowly make some money for me. I hope Jack Carroll doesn't come in or someone like that and play midfield because Paddy Dow is playing as a third mid next to Cripps and Walsh. And doing an okay job. Yeah, but they want better than okay, Pato. They want someone good. Yeah, well, they should start with the coach. Oh, whack. Anyway, we're moving on to Matty Parker, former St Kilda player now at the Tigers via the mid-season draft. 141K in mid-forward. How many tackles and how many touches does he get in on the weekend in the VFL, Pato? He got 19 touches and he had a whopping 11 tackles. And I know... Richmond coaching staff absolutely froth that shit, mainly the tackles. And they're playing him in a bit of a wing role, so I reckon they're grooming him to replace someone like Caddy who really doesn't provide that defensive cover. Um, And that's what we really need in that wing spot at the Tigers. That's what they really like. So um, I I reckon 
if it's not this week against his former team, which would be a little bit of a headline on Friday night. But if it's not this week, it might be next week in place of someone like Josh Caddy. And he, I don't think he's too far away from a debut for the Tigers. Yep, yep, yep. Um, second last one we've got here is Jeremy Sharp, 141K Suns midfielder. 31 touches and seven marks in the VFL. I played two games last year, um, so I had a little bit of a taste of it, Pato. Yeah, didn't score too much last year, but if he does debut, it might remind me a little bit of someone like Chad Warner, who had a couple of games last year for the Swans and was absolutely terrible. And that scared a lot of people off because he was that slightly more expensive rookie. But anyone that has had Chad Warner or didn't get him in and uh, watched him absolutely kill it for that first sort of six to eight weeks of the season, um, we'll know just how much that hurts. So, look, sometimes that couple of games can show a kid just what it takes to get to the level. Send them back to the reserves and show and have the coach have the coaches see just what it takes to to get back into that team. So, look, Jeremy Sharp, I don't think is too far away from our debut. Um, the Suns are looking pretty atrocious. So, between them and Carlton, I don't know who's looking much worse. But... <laughs> They're, again, the Suns, they've got to try something. And I'm pretty sure they actually lost a midfielder. Was it Swallow? Yes, yeah, Swallow went out with concussion. So there is a midfield spot for young Jeremy Sharp if the Suns go in that direction. Yeah, I actually don't think that that's going to be Jeremy Sharp's um, spot, to be honest. I think there's another Sun that played as the sub on the weekend that will likely take that role, Pato. Um, anyway, uh, it could open up the door for Sharp to be a sub, maybe. I don't know. And then work his way from there. But the last one is the one that I'm excited about and I want to see him play and come on Bombers, let him play. And that's Sam Durham, 102K defensive midfielder. at 20 touches and six marks. And what was he doing though, Pato? What role was he playing? He was playing the all-important halfback role. And anyone that knows, anyone that's looked at the defenders in Supercoast this year know that that is absolute rolled gold in Supercoast this year. And um, look, all he's got to do is, is get a debut and play off that halfback line. And that's what they're grooming him to do. So I know he was close last weekend to having a debut. So they definitely rate him. Um, it might just be a case of getting a couple more weeks at BFL level and then getting a taste at AFL level. But I know they definitely like him and he's 102K. He's a defense and a midfield swing. And look, he could come at a really good time in a couple of weeks for us. Fuck off. Um, now let's look at some um, trade-in options uh, that aren't rookies and that are like your primos and whatnot. So we'll start in defense. We'll quickly skim over these four. Pretty much you have to have two of these guys, which is Mills, Laird, Stewart, or Lloyd in your defense. You've got to have at least two of them. Don't you agree, Pato? Yeah, look, I've got three, but yeah, definitely two, but you should hopefully want three out of those four. Yeah, correct. Anyway, we'll start off with the next one. Lukey Ryan, one of my favorites, 555K, 106 average, 123 round average, 111, oh wait, sorry, 111 five round, is it, Pato? And 8% ownership, and he's a a solid POD. Yeah, that's the reason why he's listed here. It's that 8% ownership. That's what makes him such a great option. Look, he might score the same or similar as some other guys that may already be in teams, but it's that POD aspect that makes him such an appealing trade-in option if you haven't completed your defense yet. Yeah. We'll go on to Jordan Ridley, 456K, 100 average, 111 on the weekend. Is he back to his old self, Pato? Look, the one that uh, has uh, Ridley owners rubbing their hands together is the fact that he's finally back kicking the ball in. 
And that's how he was getting such good scores earlier on in the year, um, as well as those intercept possessions. So put those two together and you've got another Tom Stewart. Um, and at 456,000, if you don't have Ridley, I don't think you can go wrong. Um, we've seen the evidence now that he's gone back to the kicking duties. And yeah, and the thing that made him score so well was the fact that Zerk Thatcher came into the team to play more of a lockdown role, which just freed Ridley up to play that third defender role. Um, and we'll talk about another guy that is in a very similar situation in a couple of picks time where someone else coming into the team just frees them up to play a lot more loose and get those intercept possessions that are so good for Supercoach scoring. Yep, yep, yep. Move on to Lockie Whitfield, 516K, 95 average, 107 three-round average. He's up to 15% ownership now. Still a good price. Um, and the run home is going to be good for Lockie. Like I said, he wasn't ever going to score the greatest against North. But after that, fucking, we knew that he'd score well against Carlton. Like, fuck, he was one of our captain choices last week. So, um, anyway, Lockie Whitfield, certified gun. Pato, do you need to say anything else on Lockie Whitfield? No, nah, just that he was super impressive on Saturday night. I watched that game very closely because I had seven players playing in that game for my super coach team. Jesus. I reckon that was half, half of my on-field players um, from the weekend. So I watched that one very closely. I was just so impressed by his work rate. He does not stop running, and you would not tell that he barely had a preseason um, because he was having liver issues. And you could not tell by the way he's playing. Uh, what a fucking gun, mate. Yeah, he's a fucking gun. Okay, so the next bloke that we're going to talk about, we're going to move on to the cheaper options. So some of you guys have been asking, hey, we need, we want to complete our team, want some left fielder, cheaper options, massive PODs or a cheaper options so then they can get another gun elsewhere. So we'll focus on them. So first one is the obvious Nick Haynes, 366K, 2.4% ownership, minus one break even, 118 and a 96 in his old role. Um, Davis has come back into the team. It allows old mate Haynes to peel off a bit more. Um, the week before that, uh, they had the absolute shit <laughs> key defender come in. I don't even want to name his name. Uh, he got dropped pretty much after one game. Um, and yeah, Haynes got 118 when he was in. So he can peel off now, do those intercept marks and whatnot. They also switch through Haynes a fair bit and coming. Um, so you can expect that to happen, but it all relies on having a big key defender and the Giants not being undersized in defense because then Nick Haynes has to go back to that sort of keeping an eye on his man type role. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions though, Dano. Um, it seems like a little bit of a trap. Now, I really like this pick, but I feel like it's too risky because of these questions. Now, the first one, can we trust Phil Davis and his body? Um, he's moving on a little bit of you know, in age, and has had some soft tissue injuries in the last couple of years. So that is a huge red flag for me. And the other one is, can we trust Leon Cameron? Um, no. he, put, he put Nick Haynes on a wing um, early on in the year, which like your best intercept defender, um, all Australian last year in that role. And you put him on a fucking wing. I mean, I, I don't even, I coach sport, but I don't coach <laughs> footy, but I know that that's just a fucking dumb idea. So um, that was a huge question mark. Um, the other one, he averaged 98 last year, and that includes two scores in the final two rounds of the season of 46 and 34, Dano. And that was after it was obvious that the Giants weren't going to make finals. Now, did he check out a little bit at the end of the year 
and not play as hard as perhaps he should he would have if they were still in the hunt for finals. Now, that is a big question for me. And whether our listeners or anyone that is looking to bring him in think the Giants are going to make a run for finals. Now, personally, I think the Giants are going to make the finals and I think the Swans are going to drop out of the current top eight. That's my personal thought. That means Nick Haynes is a really attractive option. But you've got to think, what if it all falls apart? What if Josh Kelly plays this weekend? I mean, I fucking hope not. What if he plays this weekend and does his ankle worse and he's got to miss four weeks? What if Phil Davis goes down and pings a hammy and it just cooks the back line again? I mean, I think there's too many question marks. Yep. And if you don't have the trades, I feel like this is a little bit risky at that, even at that price. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Move on to Ben McAvoy, 481k defender slash ruck. Um, is he listed as a ruck in Super Coach? I didn't even know. Yes, he's the only defender slash ruck in the game. Disgusting. Anyway, 111 three round average, 96 five round average, 4% ownership. Fucking 4% of teams have him. Shit. Okay. Um, I can't trust the bloke because I don't know what fucking role he's going to play, Pato. Yeah, no, either can I. Um... I, I don't like this at all. I threw him in here because there are other podcasts talking about him. Um, he scored pretty well over the last few weeks and he's under 500 k yeah. So, look, nah. someone might be keen on it. I'm not personally because if he goes to a more forward role, if Reeves come in, comes in, I don't like that against a good team. Now, Hawthorne have had a couple of softer fixtures in the last couple of weeks and that's probably part of the reason why he's averaging 111 over the last three. Um, but look, he's there as a cheaper option if someone wants to, but I don't think we're that desperate in, in the back line this year. Yeah, yeah, probably the same people that said that Paddy Dow was going to be a fucking gun. Anyway, um, Shannon Hearn is the next one. 453K, 163-round average, 1.6% ownership. I call him the Pato POD because he kept talking him up before he got injured, but he's a fucking, he's a gun. He's a gun. But can we trust his body, Pato? He is. Um I know I was huge on him on the start of the year. I kept putting him on the run sheet. I never owned him, um, probably luckily, because I I traded an absolute premium for me. Um, but look, at 453000 can you take that risk? I mean, if you're looking at a, a D7 situation where you have two half primos as your last two defender spots, so one on field, one on the bench, I think he's a really good option if you've got the trades to do that. Whether that's someone like a Zach Williams in your D6 spot or... Nick Haynes, whether you want to rotate him and um, Hearn in that last spot with a loophole option, I don't think that's a bad idea if you've got the trades, but you absolutely need to have a contingency plan if Hearn does do another calf or a hammy or anything like that. But his scoring is going to be great. He's going to probably average over 100 from here on in. It's just how many of the last nine games is he going to play is the big question. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I like the Hearn pick. I reckon it's a good one. Back it in. Um, Anyway, the next one is the midfield. So. You've got to have a few of these blokes in your midfield if you want to be competitive. So they are McRae, Bontempelli, Oliver. Um, people traded Oliver out last round. Fucking dickheads. Anyway, Lions, Tookie Miller, Steele, and Parrish. So you've got to have a few of them to start your midfield at least. But here we go talking about the guys that you can trade in as well. So we'll start with the one that I think is the biggest must fucking have this week if you can afford him, and that's Lockie Neal, 576K. 94 break even, 102 average, 115 five-round average. The funny thing about him is, and we'll quote the famous Daniel Beto, Beto? <laughs> um, it was a Bato. I think it was Bato. Daniel Bato. Anyway, um, he... <laughs> I think it's Bato. Bato. 
I mean, Bado's above his average. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's he's lucky. Lucky Neil didn't even leave first gear. He did not even look at his prime best, and he still fucking killed it. So he's slowly, slowly, slowly building, and I think you got to jump on this week. He's lost so much cash, and he, vintage Neil is going to come back. Yeah, I don't think you can miss this guy at all. Um, his back looks fine. That knee looks fine. He's had his two weeks out of uh, two games back out of three weeks. So he had that one week off in between. Um, I think if you don't bring him in, you're going to miss out on having a top five mid for the rest of the year from this point on. And yep. I don't think you can miss out on that. I think he's going to put himself in that same group as McRae, Bontempalli, Oliver, Lyons, Miller, Steele and Parrish. I think he's going to be in that group and he'll be 650K plus like the rest of them in no time. So it's this week or never really for, for Neil. Otherwise, he's going to come out of reach price-wise. Yeah, correct. Another one, Tommy Mitchell, aka Titch, 564K, 79 break-even, 109 average, 112 three-round average. Now, everyone's worried about the Giants tagging, rah, rah, rah. I'm just going to talk about Tom Mitchell's game in the fact that he has reinvented himself over the last couple of weeks, and he is fucking, he's, he's, he's fucking looking brilliant. And... Clarko must have set a firecracker up his ass or something because he looks a completely new player, still getting the pill a lot, uh, but he's moving the ball forward more. And then when he's up in the forward line, he's actually putting on these little blocks and whatnot for the forwards so that the forwards get easier access to the ball. So fucking Tom Mitchell, well done for reinventing yourself in the short space of time. But everyone is worried about the DeBoer tag this weekend, Pato. Do you reckon that the Giants would even tag Tom Mitchell? Just quickly, um, it's not so much a reinventing of himself. I know there's a little slight change of role there, but this bloke got rid of his ex, um, split up with his missus, and obviously that was a bit of a burden at the start of the year. And he also had that shoulder reconstruction in the off-season. So it's probably a combination of those two things which has just really freed him up physically and mentally. And, um, yep, he looks an absolute new man. He looks back to his Brownlow form. Now, obviously, he's not going to get anywhere near the Brownlow because he plays for a terrible team. <laughs> but um, when it comes to super coach, I mean, 564K still sounds like an absolute bargain for a Tom Mitchell that's probably going to average 115 from here on out. Um, and I think he probably will get to ball this week, who, as you said, he wouldn't, Dano, and I said he would last week, did absolute destroy Sammy Walsh last weekend. Now, I just must quickly add that this is why I have not advocated for Sam Walsh at all this year, because the tags were always going to come. And, he got 70-odd getting tagged out of the game by DeBoer, who's probably one of the best in the business at that role. Um, but I don't see anyone tagging anyone other than Sam Walsh for the rest may of the I, year. May I interject there? Absolutely, mate. It was not just DeBoer that tagged him. There was another Giants player that played off of him when DeBoer was up in the forward line and whatnot, and that was Timmy Taranto. Timmy Taranto actually played off of Sam Walsh a fair bit too. Yes, he did. Yeah. So Timmy Taranto sometimes does take that role on, but he's good enough to win his own ball. But fucking DeBoer was good enough to win his own fucking ball too. Holy shit. Anyway, um, so you reckon Tommy Mitchell will get the DeBoer tag? I reckon Tommy Mitchell might get the DeBoer tag, but he'll also get Timmy Taranto bouncing off of him. But I still think that you can bank in 30-plus disposals from Tom. I just... Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, last year, he got tagged by DeBoer and still got 101. So... That's still higher than his break even. Um, I think you bring him in anyway if you're looking at him, if you've got yeah. all the top guys already. And I still think he's a really good price. So he's the sort of guy that will still score pretty well getting tagged. Um, yeah, I, I still think he's a great option. 
Yeah. Christian Petrarca, 546K, 106 average, 110 three-round average. He's got a 91 break-even, 118 average in his final nine games last year, Pato. Fucking hell. Okay. So, elaborate. Yeah. So, he absolutely destroyed it um, in his final nine games last year. Now, for those that may not know, there are nine weeks left in this year. So, we're coming into that final nine-game block. He's had his buy now last weekend, and I feel like he's going to absolutely explode from here on out. I There's no room in my team for him if I'm getting Lockie Neal. So, look, barring a very late change of mind, I won't be getting Petrarca in, but I am huge advocate for this guy. Now, they, there are scores of really high proportions in that final nine games. So he had a 132, a 160, a 125, a 127, a 140, and a 130. Um, and he had a 53 against Sydney, which is included in that 118 average. So, look, when you look at his price point, 546,000, if he can average even 110 from here on out, that is a great buy, um, as in BUI, not BYE, BUI. Um, and I mean, he's already averaged 110 over his last three. So, I think he can push that up to 115 to 120 for the rest of the year and be an absolute bargain at that price. Yeah, yeah. Look for some cheaper options now. This is a bloke that I was looking to bring in this week, but then I went, I'm going to go lucky Neil myself for that little bit of extra cash. But that is Scotty Pendlebury, 424K, 94 average, 108 three round average. Now, in the buys, I was eyeing him off in Bucks' last game. Remember, Pato? I'm like, oh, 380K for Pendles. Holy shit. Looks like he's going to be back in the midfield. They played him in the midfield and he scored the highest super coach score for that round. But you have some question marks over his role once Robert Harvey takes over this week. I do. I think it's a great um, option if he's going to play that midfield role, but nobody really knows. Now, he has a negative 29 break even, which is absolutely absurd for a guy that is priced at 424000 So, look, if Buckley wasn't leaving, I'd be absolutely – like, Scott Pendlebury would be the guy that I'm bringing in for my final midfield spot. I would ignore Lockie Neal for Scott Pendlebury. But – I think there's too many question marks there. Now, I also found out over the weekend that Scott Pendlebury was battling a bit of a finger injury during the early parts of the season, and that's the reason why he was playing more of a half-back slash half-forward role. Yep, correct. Rather than missing games. So, look, does that throw a little bit more of a spanner in the works? Who knows? His first three weeks of the year this year was 102, 111, 105, which if that's his average for the rest of the year at his price at it, as it is this week, I think it's a great buy, but his pro- his scores when he was playing that halfback line are absolutely woeful, and that includes a 50, a 43, and a 73. And also and his half-forward sure- role too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure it's worth the risk, especially with a coach coming in who we don't know whether he's got um, pressure above him to play the kids in the midfield or whether he's looking to prove himself to try and score the gig next year. It's a really tough one to read. Um, I'm even a little bit concerned about Brody Grundy about whether he plays forward or not if they do go into that more rookie direction and um, just look to get Brody Grundy right for next year and not risk any major injuries. But look, we'll see what happens. I wouldn't want to bring Scott Pendlebury in before seeing him under Robert Harvey, but I mean, you might miss a sixty thousand um, plus price change, and he more might than get that, close. I reckon. He might get close to five hundred thousand this week after just one game so look it's a real tough one it's risky i wouldn't be saying you need to bring this guy in but if you want to take a risk as your m8 spot 
Um, I think you could do worse than Scott Pendlebury, but it, as I said, it's dependent on what Robert Harvey wants to do, and nobody knows really. Correct. Next one, Luke Shuey, 508K. Now, he's never averaged more than 105, Pato. 31 years old. The first round that he played this year, he fucking killed it. But personally, I think that there's better options out there, unless you're looking at the draft league, then get him in draft. But leave that to the draft doctors to talk about potentially there. Um, yeah, but yeah look, I just can't see him. He got 122 in his only game this year. But I actually think Luke Shuey coming back benefits the next guy we're going to talk about more than Luke Shuey himself, and that is Andrew Gaffdano. Yep, correct. 474K, 3% ownership, 94 average, 128 in Shuey's only game this year, Pato. Yep, and he averages 105 plus in the last three years. And the reason I'm mentioning the last three, so he's had a pretty decent super coach history over the last sort of 10 years or so without being that uber premium 120 plus guy. He's said about 100 to 110 each year for the last few years. Now, the last three years, that's playing with Luke Shuey and Elliot Yo, And those guys are both back. And look, I, I think I like Gaff at the price point. I think he's probably even a better buy than Scott Pendlebury just because of the question marks over Scott Pendlebury. Um, but look, it probably comes down to whether Luke Shuey's hamstring is going to hold up. And he's had two hamstrings in a row. I don't want to jinx him, but... As soon as guys start getting hamstrings, I see it with Dion Prestia and Trent Cochin all the time now. Once they start going, it's really, really bad for the prospect of playing every week. So yeah, yeah, it still has its risks. But look, Andrew Gaff, you could do worse. Yeah. Now we'll move on to the forward line. So Jackie Zebel, Dane Zorko, and Aaron Hall. We're not going to touch on them. We've touched on Hall since he was fucking dirt cheap. Touched on Zorko nearly every fucking week to start the year. And Zebel, well, we talked about how much we hate him. Anyway, <laughs> um, you gotta gotta move on to the next lot of guys. So people that are trying to complete their forward lines. So we'll look at the first one, which is a Richmond boy, Shay Bolton. So 524k. 97 average, 109.5 round average, 9% ownership. Um, is he a good alternative um, to some of the others, Pato? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I was a little bit bullish on him. Um, I've said it multiple times, but he's my favorite player um, at Richmond, and I'm a huge Richmond fan. So I love Shea Bolton, but I was just a little bit concerned with his role and whether going back forward when Dusty came back and Trent Koch and all those guys – was going to affect his scoring, but it really hasn't. He has absolutely killed it. And I think he's flying under the radar a little bit because people aren't really talking about him. And he's averaging 97, which is really good in the forward line this year. But his last five, he's had 109 average, um, which is huge. And most of those weeks were with their midfield group back and playing mostly forward. Now, against the Eagles, he scored 96. And I don't think he was that good. He had three or four shots on goal and didn't kick a goal at all. Um, which is very unusual. So if he only kicks even half of those shots, that's another 120 plus score. So look, I, I really, I'm really big on Shea Bolton now. Um, he's got an, a break even of 89. So look, he won't go up too much in price, even if he has a big game against the Saints. Um, but I like him as a cheeky little POD at only 9% ownership. That will shoot up a little bit this week. Um, but I really like Bolton. I, I want him in my team really bad. From Primo Bolton to Kmart Bolton, we'll talk about Dustin Martin next. Um, 472K, 97 average, 103.5 round average. Um, same run home as Bolton because they play in the same team. Uh, can you afford not to have Kmart Bolton, aka Dustin Martin, Pato? 
Yeah, um, he's in a lot of teams. I think it's up towards 70%. Um, I could be wrong. 67% of teams, which is a lot. And you got a question, when you whether you're playing for league or whether you're playing for rank, do you go against the crowd and not bring Dusty in if you don't already have him and place your bets on someone like Bolton, who is 50K more expensive? But what are their scorings going to be? Um, Dusty's had 102 and 110 for the last couple of weeks. I actually back him to go absolutely huge for the rest of the year personally. Um, that's what he tends to do every year. And the next three weeks, he's got St. Kilda, Gold Coast, and Collingwood. So he could average 130 for the next three weeks. And you're going to be absolutely kicking yourself if you don't have that. But some people like to play roulette and go against the grain and go for zero or double zero. And if you avoid Dusty, it's just like going for the double zero in roulette. And it could pay off and you'll absolutely rake it in. Or it might not pay off and you'll be stuck looking at Dusty scores for the rest of the year. Kind of like both of us, Dano, with Jack Siebel. We went against the crowd and absolutely backfired uh, for both of us, clearly, especially yep. at his starting price. But that's super coach. And sometimes you've got to go against the grain to try and get a leg up on the rest of your competitors because at the end of the day, if you go with the crowd and finish 2,000th, you don't win anything. If you go against that and bank on an injury or a, a form change or a role change or anything like that, then it could really pay off. So, look... There could be merit in avoiding Dusty altogether and maybe even going for the next guy. Sorry, two two down on a run sheet, Dano. Yep, fair. The next guy is Patrick Dangerfield, though. He's 515K, 82 average, 138 break even. I don't think he's shown enough yet. I still think that he's going to drop more in price and I'm hoping to see him play in the midfield more soon. What do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, I'm bullish on this one. Um, been such a huge super coach scorer for so many years now. And I'm not sure if he does get that chunk of midfield minutes, whether it's worth going against that. But if he gets under 500,000, it's going to be really tough not to bring him in. So it is a really, really big decision. I don't think he's shown enough yet, but I mean, how many games did he play back now? He's played two weeks back and had a buy in there as well. So no, he hasn't. He had a buy before that. But yeah, look, awkward matchup this week against the Lions. I think... If you're going to bring him in, I would wait one more week and bring him in for that Essendon game in two weeks' time down in Geelong. That could be the one where he returns and gets a 140-plus score. But, yeah, look, I think he needs to be in people's plans personally. Yeah. Um, I've actually got a completed forward line at the moment, so and he is not in my plans yet. But I've got a fair few trades up my sleeve to sideways towards the end of the year for finals run home. So I'm hoping he comes good then. Anyway, the next bloke. I said last week that I was bringing him in. I brought him in. He fucking killed it. And people were like, oh, why would you bring in Toby Green? And I said, well, he's going to make Carlton his bitch and then he's going to make Hawthorne his bitch and so on and so forth. So anyway, he made Carlton his bitch. And how fucking good was that barrel? Oh, mate, the barrel had me up out of my chair. Um, and I was watching that game as someone that doesn't even go for either of those teams. But how could you not love this guy? I mean, I understand he does some shit that, he really shouldn't do like that little uh, love tap to the chest. Yeah, That's the yeah. part of him you don't like, but all the other shit that comes with him, I don't think anyone can truly watch a Toby Green game, see all the shit he does in a footy sense, like that barrel, um, and not admire his absolute unique skill set. And he's one of my favorite players to watch in the whole AFL, um, unless he's playing against Richmond, except for that grand final. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Shut up. 
I dodged an absolute bullet last week. I changed my mind really last minute and did not bring Bailey Dale in. I said last week that I was 100% bringing in Bailey Dale. (laughs) And went a little bit cheaper and went with Toby Green instead. And I was looking to bring them both in, but went against Bailey Dale. And I, I don't know why I did it, bring him in. But I didn't, and he scored. Bailey Dale scored fifty, and Toby Green got one hundred twenty-five. So, yeah, I dodged a little bullet there, and now I've got real question marks over Bailey Dale, who's the next guy we're talking about. But Toby Green has a really good run home. If uh, people haven't heard previous episodes, we're really big on the Giants' run home. Um, he's got Melbourne next week, but other than that, I mean, it's looking real rosy for the rest of the year. So, yep, yep, yep. Um, jump on the Toby Green bandwagon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, ride the wave with with us. I reckon he'll average one hundred and ten for the rest of the year. Anyway, let's we'll say his price. So it's 471K, 45 break even, 97 average, 103 round average. Also, breaking news, um, Pilot um, have said that Toby Green's barrel is now the new cure for erectile dysfunction because that's how erect everyone got after they saw that barrel go through the big sticks. Anyway, Bailey Dale's our next one on the run sheet. Um, and, yeah, um, I was in the same boat as you, Pato, in that I was actually looking at bringing Bailey Dale in. And then I was like, no, nah, I'll go with Toby San. So what do you reckon the problem was there? Was it just one shit game? Or is it a bit more of Bevo being a dickhead and chucking people around left, right and center? Really tough to read this one. Um, really crap conditions for someone like Bailey Dale, who... Is that mid-sized sort of defender who floats off a lot um, and provides a lot of rebound? And they also had a sub fairly early in the game, didn't they? And they actually had Toby McLean as their sub. Mm. So Toby McLean was someone that kind of played that halfback role as well as someone else who we're going to talk about who I forgot to put the run sheet, so make sure I don't forget to mention him, Dano. I don't even know who you're talking um, about. I, you'll know soon, but um, <laughs> yeah, look, he was chucked forward and I don't know whether that was a... a a little bit of a coaching sort of chess move where they were trying to throw something different at the cats or whether they're trying to find another role for him. And as as the Jock Reynolds boys mentioned, um, it's Bevo salad. And can you trust him to keep guys in that same role? I don't know whether you can. I've gone a little bit cold on Bailey Dale now. Yep. Same, same, same. Um, Who is the guy that you were going to chuck in to the run sheet now? It was at Langford or... Uh, no, well, let's chuck him in now. It's another dogs player. Um, Taylor Jaray. Now, yeah. 379,000. He's a defender and a forward, which is very handy, especially if you've got a Kieran Briggs or someone of that ilk who is also a defensive defender forward. He's got a break even of 10. Now, his average is 78, so let's ignore that for the sake of my spill here. Uh, but his last two weeks, he's moved to a more halfback role. Right. And he scored 98 against the Cats and he scored 112 against Freo in that role. Hmm. Moved around a little bit because every Bulldogs player that isn't named Bontempelli or (laughs) McRae does. Um, But if you think he can hold up, I I think he looked really good against the Cats. Um, And he's a premiership player, isn't he? And not for the Dogs. He played in that Hawks premiership, did he? I think he's a Hawks. I could be wrong there, but. I think you might be. Provides a little bit of experience in that back line. Um, no, oh, wait, yeah, Jeray. Yeah, Jeray. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Bailey Dale being a fucking no, Hawks no, no, premiership Taylor player. Like, what? Played in at least the last premiership for the Hawks. Yeah, like, that, yeah, he was, he's a premiership player. Yeah, yep. so um, premiership experience. I don't know whether he's in the Dogs premiership team, but who gives a shit? Um, 
I, I don't mind him as an option. Um, it's a little bit risky, but he's 379000 and that's the appeal, as well as the forward and defensive swing. Now, you wouldn't put him in your back line. You'd have him in your forward line, and he's dirt cheap. Um, it's about jumping on the role change early, and Taylor Dre is prime candidate with that. Now, he's got West Coast who leak a bit of points from those running players this year, um, and North, who are pathetic. So then he's got Sydney, which is a little bit of a tougher game, but then he's got the Suns and the Crows, who are both pretty pathetic as well. So he's got appealing next five weeks or so, um, and the Hawks in Supercoach semifinals in round 22. So I like his run home. It's just depending on whether you can trust Bevo, and I'm not sure you can, but he's cheap. Yep, valid, valid. Um, do you want to talk about Nicky Hind a bit more, Pato? Yeah, real interesting one. He was unbelievable on the weekend. Um, and he's thrown – he's another one that's been thrown around a little bit in that Essendon lineup, but I feel like there's only one spot that's going to have him locked down in that team, and that's off that half-back line. Now, he's yep. a 485,000 forward in Supercoach. His scoring has been inconsistent as fuck. Now, he's had a couple of tons. He's had three tons. No, four tons. No, three. Three tons. <laughs> he's had a couple of scores in the 70s, and he's had some 80s and 90s. But he was magnificent against the Hawks. Now, how much is, of that was a result of the Hawks being pathetic and providing no pressure up forward whatsoever? Hello, Tyler Brockman. Um, but how much of that was the role? And I, I don't think he's moving anywhere off that halfback line anytime soon. Now, against the Tigers... Zaharakis got subbed out of that forward line and Nick Heim was the one that went forward. Now, Ben Rutten's obviously trying to find out who can play where and he's changing up things a little bit, but I think he's realized that Nick Heim can't play anywhere else but that halfback line. And look, he's pretty cheap at 485000 And I think he's a decent POD at 5% ownership. So look, I like it as, a, as an option. And I actually think he's got a better scoring potential than Kyle Langford, who... As I mentioned yep. last week, I'm really bullish on him. Yeah, I dodged the Langford call just because I just I just can't see him playing. Like he did play a lot more midfield, but he just had a, a rough one. But Shield coming back anyway. Everyone reckons uh, well, that Langford, Langford will still play midfield, but whatever. Langford didn't um, attend many centre bounces at all, and that's before Shield even came back. Oh, he that's was that's true. Stringer was taking the centre bounces. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. So he's playing more of that half forward role and. It, it's really reminiscent of the role that Dion, uh, not Dion, Crestia, fucking um, Kane Lambert plays for Richmond, where he starts on the half forward line and he'll really replace Dusty as Dusty runs forward straight from the center bounce. And they're trying that flog in that Dusty role, the one that had the really big game on the weekend. Yes, yeah, Stringer. Um, yeah, him. And what they do is they attend the secondary or third ball ups after. So the, 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 set, the stoppages after the set of bounce and they do get points from it, but it's a little bit inconsistent. So they'll have one twenty games just like uh, Lambert does, but they'll also have scores of 60 or 70. And I really don't like that. So it doesn't look like Langford's in that center bounce group anymore for Essendon. So I would not be looking at him as a trading option anymore. As we both mentioned last week in the pod, Dano. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Nicky Hind, I think, maybe has a, dec- a better scoring potential than Langford. Langford, yeah, cool. Zach Bailey, Brisbane Lions, 451K, 86 average, 102, three-round average. He's actually um, not looking too bad, Paddy. 
Yeah, this is more of a fun one. Now, in the forward line this year, you can afford to have a little bit more fun with the picks you're bringing in. That's why I'm bringing in someone like Toby Green. I really like it. Yeah, have a bit of fun watching him play. Um, Zach Bailey's, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Toby Green, but if you're going to bring in a forward that's a little bit left of center, he's 3% owned, and he, I enjoy watching him play, and he barely misses in front of goal. He plays that half-forward role, like I was mentioning, the uh, the sort of Nick Hind, uh, not Nick Hind. Kyle Langford. Kyle Langford role. Um, yeah. But he's really good in front of goals, um, and it's pretty good to watch. So I like Zach Bailey. He's 451,000. He's averaging 86, but he's averaging 96 over his last five. So I like him as an option. Now, I think Zorko may affect him a little bit, but it really hasn't too much so far this year. So I really like Zach Bailey as a real left of field option. And why not have a little bit of fun of your F5 or F6 spot? Because, I mean, you can be boring like everyone else or you can go for someone like Zach Bailey and have fun with it. Yep, yep, yep. Or like the next bike, Jakey Stringer. 375K minus six break even, 84 average, 106 three-round average. Bit inflated with that 180. But in the saying that, he fucking scored a 180 and he attended a lot of center bounces and the Bombers won. So what does that tell you, Pato? Do you reckon they're going to keep playing him through that center bounce and then drift him up off uh, to the forward line? Yeah, I, I can't see his role changing. I'm just not sure of the scoring potential of it. Now, he played that same role against the Tigers last week, as in two weeks ago, sorry. Yep. And scored 44 doing it. Now, he did the same thing against the Eagles the week before and scored 94. So I think that's going to be his scoring. It's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. Now, he may average 95 to 100 for the rest of the year, but he'll have some big games like he did against the Hawks, but he'll have some shit games like he did against the Tigers. So, Like Dustin Martin. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think he's going to be a little, an even less consistent Dustin Martin in terms of scoring. Um, and I really don't like it. And he's also a fucking flog. So that <laughs> helps my decision in not wanting to bring him in as well. Um, and not a flog in the good sense like Toby Green. He's a flog in the sense that he would probably root his best mate's sister who might well be 14 years old. So um, I don't like even... <laughs> Thinking about bringing in people like that into my super coach team, he could be 120,000 and averaging 120, and I don't think I'd bring him in. Fuck. That's probably why you don't have, oh, well, Dugowie's suspended, but anyway. Uh, Dugowie's back this week, and I, that was another one I was actually going to put on the run sheet, but fuck that guy. <laughs> okay. Um, Harry Mackay, you've got as the last one. So he is 328K, 78 average. He's got not too bad of a fixture on the way home. Um, but he is very reliant on kicking big bags of goals. Yeah, and I actually am backing this kid to kick plenty of bags of goals for the rest of the year. I really feel like Carlton may well do pretty well for the rest of the year because they've got a really soft draw. Now, that starts with the Crows this weekend, Dano, and they are notorious for giving up big, big scores to opposition key forwards. Yeah, yeah. And last year, before anyone even knew who Carrie Mackay was, he scored 91 against the Crows. Now, I if I had Harry Mackay, I'd be looking at, I don't even know when that game is. It's probably on Sunday because no one cares about those two teams. Um, <laughs> I would be looking him in as a captain option, um, quite Whoa. honestly. Holy shit. Yeah, um, I, that's how confident I am he's going to have a big game. Now, he's got Geelong in round 17, and he's got Port Adelaide in round 22. Um, and we'll see how the Giants are traveling in round 23. But other than that, the fixture is very fucking juicy, Dano. And... He might average 110 for the rest of the year. That's how 
well I think he's going to go. That's juicy because I got him in the Draft Doctors Super Coach bloody Draft Cashy League. So I'm, I'm liking that one. Anyway, we'll move on to question time. So we put out the posts today um, about questions that people want answered. So we actually got probably more people than I've ever seen um, ask. Anyway, first one we got Luke, and it's not the usual Luke. This one is from Luke Harrison. So he said, danger on a down, downhill trend since 2017. Are you wanting to get him in or wanting your opponent to get him in? Pado, take it away. Yeah, we kind of touched on this one before. Do you want? Can you afford to go against the grain if you're looking at even league wins? Um, I'm not sure you can. Now, when you say a downward trend, now his peak was 136 average in 2017. Then he went 122, 115, and 114. So if his downward, downward trend continues, that could be 110 this year. Um, it could also be 90. So... Look, I don't know if I want to go against that just in case he does average 110. Um, and with, I think he'll play a chunk of midfield minutes, and I think it's probably going to hurt our man, the guff, a bit, Dano, because he's going to move yeah. in that midfield role. But Mitch Duncan also went down on the weekend. He's going to miss the rest of the regular season. So there are midfield minutes. I know Duncan hasn't been playing a chunk of midfield minutes, but there are minutes there available for Dangerfield once he gets his body right. So well, I'll interject there. I think the midfield minutes actually go more towards Menegola. Yeah, um, I don't mind that shout, um, Dana. I don't even know how much he is, and I didn't research him today. But He he would be a cheapie. I know that much. He'd be discounted price, and he's one that um, – I know he scored fairly well on the weekend too, so he's one that you could also bring in as a cheapie option if you wanted to. Um, but I, I honestly think that the midfield minutes go to Menegola. 455k and he got 130 super coach on the weekend. So maybe we've slept on him in the run sheet, Dano. Maybe he is a trading option as a midfielder. Yep, yep. I, I don't mind it at all as an M8, but I still think that Pendles is the way to go there. But anyway, in terms of Dangerfield, I'm not going to have him. I'm waiting for him to bottom out and then show some actual form before I bring him in because my my uh, forward line's complete as I said earlier so um, anyway but there's one in there that I kind of want to sideways trade out but I'm waiting till I'm full primo before I do it so anyway that's my danger field chat like, yeah it's a little bit like Lockie Neal you you don't want to bring him in just before they go nuts just in case the body does flare up a little bit um, injury wise Mm. Uh, we've seen that big score from Lockie Neal now. Now, for Dangerfield, that big score might come this weekend and then everyone's going to jump on next week. I don't think... I think the risk of bringing him in this week, just in case he does go down again, outweighs wanting to get him, him in ahead of the curve, um, if that makes yep. sense. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. We move on to Chris... Oh, fuck. Nurudhorn. How the fuck do you pronounce your last name? I'll call you Chris Ann. Anyway, he says, can I have more trades, please? Yeah, Chris, um, if you can find the genie that wishes you that, um, send him my way as well because I'll, I'll confess, I completely cooked my team last weekend. I traded out Isaac Heaney. Now, I brought uh-huh. in a rookie in place. I think it was Briggs. Um, but I've cooked my team. I've got four trades left after trades this week, and I've got two forward spots to still fill. So I'm absolutely cooked, and I desperately need some more trades, which obviously isn't going to happen unless the fixture goes fucked again and we'll see what happens in New South Wales with the COVID situation. But yeah, look, it's not looking good, but 
I uh, will stick it out for you guys and the community and keep helping you guys out with your team. And hopefully we can get someone that really shoots up the rankings from our listener base, don't I? Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, um, avid listener Tate Fuller has asked, how many trades have we got? And then he says he's got five and wondering if he should just trade if and when an injury comes up or one more rookie down and primo upgrade if available. So he's up wanting to know, should he hold on to them or should he try and get that extra primo in? Anyway, I'll say I've got nine trades left. I'm one... Well, it will be seven after this round because I'm bringing in Lockie Neal. And in order to do that, I need to trade out Waitman and then trade out Jones and downgrade Jones to a rookie, then upgrade fucking um, to Neal. Um, anyway, that's how many trades I've got. Pato, how many do you have? You said you had four. Yeah, so before trades this week, I've got six. Um, and it all for Tate, it all depends on what his field looks like. Now, if you're full primo by now, um, I would probably hold on or I would look at any underperforming primos or half primos. So if you've got a Patrick Cripps or a Tom Phillips or someone like that, um, I would maybe use one or two luxury trades to turn them into Dangerfield, Lockie Neal, whatever. I'm, I'm against this. Now, the main thing is how many rounds have we got to go, Pato, till round 23? Nine. You got five trades and you're banking on no one getting injured in that time. If he uses two corrective trades or one one uh, luxury trade, there's still three or four trades left for injuries for the rest of the year. I can guarantee you that there'll be at least three or four more major injuries to people's lists and it's going to fuck a lot of people up. So I would hold those trades for the moment, just for the moment. Try and maximize your rookie potential as well in that time. You don't have to trade. Remember, you don't have to. Anyway, we'll move on to um, James Alexander, uh, also avid listener. So he's got a few um, questions. One of them was, is danger a must-have? We've kind of already touched on it. I don't think he's a must-have as of yet. Um, Pato, you pretty much agreed. Now, he goes, Phil Thorpe and Robertson to Neil and a rookie. What are our thoughts? Um, Phil Thorpe is still going to make fuckloads of cash, isn't he? From memory, he got like a hundred and something before his buy. Pato. So he's priced at 312,000. Now he has a negative break even, negative yeah. five. Um, I probably wouldn't be trading him out, but I mean, surely, surely there's someone, I mean, he's got Carlton this week, so he could have another big score. Look, surely there's someone else that is a better downgrade. Um, for James in his team. Now, obviously I think Robertson has to go. Yeah. He's probably served you well over the buyers, which hurts a little bit because I traded him out really early, but I'd be trying to hold Phil Thorpe and <laughs> surely there's someone else to downgrade. Whether that's Waitman, I'm trading Waitman out this week. He's been good for me, but time to wave him goodbye in my team. Um, yeah. Surely, surely there's someone else in his team. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be trading Phil Thorpe. I'd be trying to maximize cash generation as much as possible, especially when the Kai could potentially pump out another 100-plus score this weekend. Um, he's also said... If, um, oh, yeah, go on, Just for one more week against the Blues, um, and then you trade him out before the Lions in two weeks' time, which is a bit of an awkward matchup for Riley. So I'd be at least holding Phil, Phil Thorpe for one more week. And I never want to say that name ever again. Yep, yep. Say it three more times fast. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, um, the other one he says as a challenge this week, 
we could do the best trade in, but the thing is, I think we're both trading in the same people. Yeah, no, I, when I when I read that one uh, earlier on today, I, I thought that was a brilliant idea, but then I thought, shit, I hope Dano isn't uh, looking at bringing Lockie Neal in as well. So, <laughs> looks like we're both bringing in the same guy. Uh, maybe we can look at our second trade as the rookie coming in to use that as a little tiebreaker. But I don't uh, mind the idea for the challenge. And, and if anyone else has any ideas of what challenges we could do every week um rather than the captain challenge uh send them in we're we're open to making this fun for our community as much as us um i don't know how much fun it is swallowing fucking tuna and spinach and soy sauce and fuck knows what else but uh if if the community love it then we'll keep going with it yeah yeah no worries. and then we got alan anchor long time veteran of uh the double a all-stars i think he is his super coach team out there um, he's in so many different groups on Facebook, known this bloke for years. So he said, Grundy back, and is it time to sideways trade Fife? That's a toughie. So I think Fife's got a um, medical exam this week to see how much strength and mobility he has in his shoulder. Um, but Grundy will be back from all reports, from what I've been told, Pato, and he's been sitting on my pine for a while. So I'm hoping he's yeah. back. Collingwood have confirmed that Grundy will play this weekend. Um, and with Fife, um, it's actually – they posted today on their Twitter, um, probably their Facebook as well, that um, a picture of Nat Fife tackling one of his teammates and um, just said that they're putting that shoulder through the test. Um, look, it's a tough one with Fife. You hold him and he could well average 120 for the rest of the year. That's how good Nat Fife is. Um, but if you hold him – he could also go 90 for the rest of the year, play more forward because they're out of finals and they'll get the kids in there like chair and all that sort of stuff. So it's a real tough one. Um, if you've got the trades in your hand, Alan, I would be looking to turn him into maybe a Lockie Neal um, as a luxury trade. I don't mind that trade. Or someone like Petrarca as more of a sideways trade. Um, but, yeah, what do you think, Dano? Yeah, I'm... <sighs> So if Fife isn't going to play, I reckon you got to sideways trade him. Um, I I was actually pretty adamant on getting rid of him when the shoulder injury happened anyway, because the way that that thing was double pitted was fucking disgusting for one. And as someone that's had two shoulder recos over the years and knows just how unstable they can be after that. Um, yeah. I, his main strength is overhead marking. And if he can't raise his arm properly for that, then he's fucking cooked. So yeah, I don't mind the sideways trading out Fife if you've got the luxury of those trades, though. If you don't, you might have to put him on the pine, get yourself team full primo first, or find a way to swap him with someone else and also upgrade elsewhere. That's the only thing I can really think of. And Grundy's back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, speaking of uh, Grundy, we had a, a question on Twitter from uh, Blackie White, and it is... Does Brody Grundy play better without the man bun? Well, we don't really know, do we? Because he's pretty much had it most of his career. Yeah, I can't think of whether it, what he was like as a rookie. Um, I was too salty that Richmond didn't pick this kid up in our draft. But anyway. Well, Giant, um, Giants, uh, Kevin Sheedy told the Giants to draft Brody Grundy and the Giants at the time apparently said that they're not in need of a Ruckman. Look how that fucking yeah, turned really. out. How many Ruckmans they were talking through the last 10 years? Exactly. Sam Jacobs was one of them for a one-year rental, and that was a disaster. But anyway, um, yeah, look, there's no no evidence there at all. Um, 
we'll see how we go. Now I'm I'm gonna hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. I reckon he's gonna oh. do a Bontempelli. Bontempelli after getting his haircut, look at him go. Do you think Brody Grundy can get better than what he has been already? I reckon that the remaining point of the year, I reckon he can average 130. I'm calling it. I'm doing it. So you're going to chuck the big C on him this weekend then? Well, I haven't actually thought about the big C this weekend, so I am going to go through this because we've got so many fucking games to come. So without further ado, we are not called the Supercoach Co-Captains for nothing. Every week we give you guys VC and C options to try and further your team as well as instead of just doing vanilla ones like all the other fucking podcasts do, we give left field shit like the Lukey Ryan one the other week and all that jazz. And people on Twitter started going, holy shit, these guys actually know what they're talking about. So anyway, Thursday night, because I need to get this fucking podcast out as soon as possible. Thursday night's our first game, which is Brisbane Lions versus... Geelong, and I'm pretty sure I know who you're going to say is VC in this one because I'm doing the same thing, Pato. I am not actually going to suggest Lockie Neal. I'm going to suggest oh. Jared Lyon. Well, plot twist. I'm going to suggest Lockie Neal as a VC. I reckon he's just he's back, baby. He's back. Lockie Neal is back. I get the, the sense that O'Connor's going to go to him again, even though O'Connor didn't tag last weekend um, against the Dogs, which is a real strange one. Um, why they didn't send him to Bontempelli blows my mind. But again, I'm not a footy coach. Um, yep, but I yep. think he wears the O'Connor tag this week because it was so successful for them early on in the year. So I think Lions can pick up that stack and get a 130-odd score. Fair enough, fair enough. The other one who I'm actually going to loop off of the bench is Tom Hawkins. Now, Tom Hawkins actually isn't projected to go super high in this game, but he's a different Tomahawk this year. Um, I'm His last round, he scored pretty shit, but he's allowed to have a once-in-a-blue-moon fucking shit one, Carney. Anyway, I'm going to back Tom Hawkins in to also have a big one as well, and I reckon he's a pretty good VC option, but I'm going to actually loop him off my bench, Pato, hoping that Finlay McRae doesn't fucking play. <laughs> Yeah, no, interesting one. Um, yeah, he scored 120 against the Lions last year. And the Lions were, were also pretty good last year and, and 40 the year before. And that's kind of the key forward roller coaster that you you, you deal with when you have a guy like that in your team. Um, but yeah, no, I don't mind it. Yep, yep, yep. Move on to the Friday night game, which is at the MCG, which is Richmond versus St Kilda. Um, vintage Dusty back for this one, Pato. I actually don't like that one, Ooh. and I'll, I'll explain why. So last year, he scored 81 against the Saints. Earlier this year when they played, he scored a 92. I get the feeling, so he doesn't play it very often anymore because of how good he is as a midfielder nowadays. But I have a feeling that Jackie Steele will, will go as more of a negating role Ooh. opposed to Dustin Martin now. Earlier this year in that role, he had 104. This is Jack Steele, which is why I also don't like him as a VC. Otherwise, I usually would suggest an opposing mid against the Tigers. Um, And last year, he had 114 um, in a really dominant year, which was down on his general output. So I don't like Dusty. I don't like Steele. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if either of them do go Boonanas because they are guns in their own rights. Um, But the one I really like in this game is Shea Bolton. Yep, yep. Yep, don't um, mind I think he could get off the track and I, I feel like the Tigers might beat the Saints pretty conventionally on Friday night and that's not the Tiger fan in me saying that um, 
But yeah, I feel like Bolton could go 120, 130 plus, And I think you'll take that as a VC this week because there's a few question marks over the obvious options. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. We'll move on to the next game, Saturday. So it's North Melbourne versus the Gold Coast Suns. Now, hmm, the, the Lukey McDonald factor, Pato, kind of influenced Zeebel and Hall, in my opinion, is that neither one of them really exploded everywhere. Uh, Zeebel went nuts on the weekend. I think he's got 125 or something, which is his highest score in about six weeks, I believe. Um, off the top of my head. Well, I'm fucking wrong then. Um, but I know Aaron Hall only got scraped 100, um, which is still good. But, yeah, I th- the Luke McDonald factor kind of makes me want to steer clear of Hall and Zeebel as VC options now. So, so Noble actually came out and said that he likes Luke McDonald on a more of a wing role. Um, which I don't think affects Hall or Zebel at all. I think they're uh, pretty stuck on that half-back line. Um, now, they played in round two. That is North Melbourne and Gold Coast. Yep. Um, just quickly, this game is fucking horrible, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and Aaron Hall was the sub and scored six, so you can't really look too much into that. That's before he started playing off the half-back. Um, and he's only played once against his former team um, before that last year, um, and that was for a 69. So... Look, doesn't have great history against his former team, but he hasn't played halfback against them. And Gold Coast notoriously give up really, really big scores to halfback players this year. Mm. So, look, I do really like Aaron Hall as an option. Um, Yeah, look, Miles Bergman played halfback on the weekend and scored 115 or so. So... Um, he's a rookie and hadn't looked like scoring anything like that for his whole career. Um, and Carl Amon's got 107 in that role too, um, off that half-back line. So Gold Coast leak points in defense. Um, Alira Alira even got 122. So yeah. plenty of points available for Zeebel, uh, Hall, even Luke McDonald. Um, if he plays whoever, defense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Whoever else plays in that North Melbourne team that we don't really give a fuck about aside from our uh, super coach players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't mind Aaron Hall as a cheeky VC option. I wouldn't put the C on him because I think there's too many question marks there. Um, but I like Aaron Hall and I also really like Cunnington. Yeah, fair. Um, in terms of the Gold Coast, Tuki Miller, another option, fairly obvious. I'm also keeping an eye on this game because I want to see if Matty Rowell stops or plays less time forward and more time in the middle. That's the only reason why I want to look at this game. Only reason. I, I actually selfishly kind of want Matty Rao to play forward for the rest of the year because that means he might be available as a forward in Supercoach next year, which That's would a, be absolutely... Yeah. That would actually be good because we're going to lose a lot of forwards next year as well with your Zeebles and your Hulls and whatnot playing off the halfback fucking flank. Um, anyway, we'll move on to Collingwood versus Fremantle or as I call it, the Darcy Grundy connection. Um, yeah, this is this is going to be an interesting one With in terms of Darcy and Grundy scoring. I reckon they're both still going to crack over 100. I reckon I reckon Grundy will win the hitouts more, and, but Darcy might actually push forward more and kick a couple of snags here and there. But in terms of VC and C options, I don't actually like Brody Grundy, obvious one. Sean Darcy, the other obvious one. But I don't mind Lukey Ryan. Also really interesting, this game's at Marvel Stadium. So I don't know who that suits more. Um, probably Collingwood. No, I, I like that one. 
I like Luke Ryan. Um, not much else in this game. I don't like the Ruckman. I feel like they might nullify each other. Um, they could both go over 120 each, but they could also both go sub 80. So I think it's a little bit too risky. And with Grundy coming off a couple of weeks off, who knows how he's going to come back yep, yep. Um, from a fitness perspective and how much he's actually going to play in that ruck, as I mentioned a little bit before. So, look, in terms of other options, maybe Pendlebury, but he might even get tagged this weekend. Freo do like a tag. Um, and, yeah, maybe Nat Fife might go off the chain if he plays, but that's risky as well. So I don't like this game for anyone, really. Yep. Okay. Next game, Essendon versus Melbourne. This game intrigues me a fuckload because I reckon Essendon are going to go out there and fucking serve it. Just got this feeling. Anyway, the obvious ones, the bloke that cost me my fucking multi because I didn't um, get the correct amount of disposals right, which is Zachy Merritt's one of them. Darcy Parrish, another. Then you got Petrarca, Gorn, and fucking... Oliver, like there's five guys right there. Are there any left fielders for you, Pato? Maybe a Ridley or someone like that? Now, yeah, I don't really like any of the Essendon midfielders in this game, actually, because I reckon James Harms might have a bit more of a defensive role to play this weekend. And whether he goes to Merritt or whether he goes to Parrish, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think it's one to avoid. Now, the one I really, really like um, in this game, Dano, and I reckon he's probably going to be my VC, um, and that is Clayton Oliver. Now, Essendon haven't been tagging this year. And Clayton Oliver has shown that he can go 150 plus if he doesn't get tagged. Now, I think he's going to make the people that traded him out last week absolutely regret trading him out straight away after one week and go absolutely crazy against the Bombers. Yep. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Next game, Port Adelaide versus Sydney Swans. Um a lot of people traded in Ollie Wines. Not a bad captain's option, but I am going to call it this week. He's going to fucking spud. He's going to spud. I reckon the Sydney mids will bounce off of him a bit too much and they'll pay him a bit more attention. Um, might free up Travis Spoke a bit more, though, but I just reckon that Ollie Wines is going to cop it this week. Yep. Um, this game isn't at the SCG, so I really like Callum Mills. Oh, yeah, um, true. That's- does he have the scoring potential to outscore some of the options that we have on Sunday? I'm not too sure, um, but I don't mind him as a cheeky VC option if you don't like any of the Melbourne players. Uh, they The game overlaps, so you really can't choose a VC and C in the two games. So really, you're looking at a VC from one of the two Saturday night games. Um, I don't mind Mills. Yep, yep. I don't mind Mills either, mainly because I got him and he always scores well away from the SCG. So... Fucking top pick there, Pato. Uh, don't like, don't like Jakey Lloyd as a VC or C option. I uh, always like Jakey Lloyd as a VC option, not so much as a C. Um, but I mean, any given game, he can show that he can score one forty plus just getting uncontested marks and uncontested kicks coming out of his asshole. So yeah. I do like Lloyd as well. Okay, moving on to Sunday, and this is the first time I've ever seen it that the Giants are going to have a home game at the MCG. What the fuck against Hawthorne? Um, so anyway, uh, I'm, I'm going to say no to Josh Kelly this week because I don't know if he's going to get up or not. Um, Tom Mitchell could get tagged by DeBoer and get played off by Taranto. The only one that I can really think of doing a VC or C option with is who do you reckon, Pato? Toby Green. I mean, that's the only option for me in this game. Yeah. The other one also, but I I couldn't do it is, uh, Lockie Whitfield. Um, but yeah, Toby Green's the one that I just I said that he's gonna kick four three to four against fucking Carlton and absolutely tear him a new asshole. He did it. 
And I also said it on this podcast just before that I reckon he's going to tear Hawthorne a new arsehole. So he's one of the left fielders that I'd bank him. But it, it, on a Sunday, it has to be a C option. And I couldn't personally put him as a C myself. That's the only thing. I could only do him yeah, as a VC. His scoring is a little bit volatile to have to trust him with a C on a Sunday. Um, but I do back him in to have a good game. Yeah, same. Anyway, second last game, West Coast Eagles versus the Western Bulldogs, the Battle of the West fucking name. Anyway, Jack McRae, Marcus Bontepelli, can't go past either one of them. Now, I disagree, Dano. Um, Ooh. Now, Ooh. West Coast have this year given up really big scores to opposition midfielders um, because they haven't tagged. Um, Mark Hutchings hasn't played. He's traditionally been their tagger. He's had a bit of injury and just sort of not in the best 22. Um, and they haven't played a tagger. But, but. This screams a few years ago when Mark Hutchings was out injured or suspended or for whatever reason didn't play. Um, and I remember very clearly a lot of people jumped. They were playing Freo. And a lot of people really liked Nat Fife in that game because I thought, shit, Hutchings isn't playing, so they're not playing a tagger. So Nat Fife, that was in his Brownlow year, um, will go nuts against the Eagles. Can't go wrong, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, he scored about 40-odd and... Elliot Yo ran with him um, in a really hard tag. Um, and it, Elliot Yo was on about 10 at three quarters. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, Elliot Yo was on about 10 at three quarter time in that game and also cooked his scoring. And he was a really popular choice that year as well. Um, so, look, I get the feeling that Elliot Yo may run with Bontempelli and have that really hard tag role. Um, I, I can't see it though, because what's. What's Yo's time on ground percentage been? Hasn't it been in the 60% range? Yes, but he's had a week off now, and I reckon that's going to go up to about 80% from next, from this week. That's yep. not confirmed. The club haven't said that, but I reckon that'll go up this week. Yep, fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, last game, Carlton versus Adelaide, the fucking primetime fucking special on a Sunday, Arvo, that no one really wants to watch at 4.40 p.m. at Marvel Stadium. Who have you got, Pato? Let's, let's bring it on home. Harry Mackay. Harry Mackay's Pato's left field fucking no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, if you've got Sam Walsh, I think whack the C on him with absolute confidence. Um, whack it on. Don't even watch the game. Come back when he scores 150 and be laughing. Yeah, fucking okay. Um, any Taylor Walker love there, Pato? I reckon he'll score big. Uh, not really. He'll probably get Jacob Wiedering. Um, still could towel him up because that's how pathetic Carlton are at the moment. Um, but I mean, yeah, look, Adelaide are giving up too big of a score on opposition midfielders. So even Patrick Cripps, I'll back Patrick Cripps to get 110 this week as well. So um, that's how bad Adelaide's midfield is traveling at the moment. Um, they're building up. I think they're, they're slowly going about their rebuild in a really good way. But I, yeah, giving up too big of scores. Yep, no worries. Anyway, so, Pato, what is your Twitter handle? Because that's all we got time for, mate. At P-A-T-T-O-S-Triple-C. Chuck me a follow and, yep, shoot me any questions you might have. Yeah, and mine is at D-A-N-E-O-S-Triple-C. So it's at Dano-S-Triple-C. Chuck me a follow, send me questions, inbox me, do all that shit. Yep, and on our Facebook, we are slowly growing. Um, we'd love to be able to hit 200 likes by the end of the season. We're up to 130 so far from sheer nothingness. We started posting this. We haven't done any advertising or whatsoever. So people are listening. Um, and our listeners, thank you. Um, it's growing. Also, shout out to the 34% of our listeners 
That, what do you think is significant of this 34%, Pato? Are they female? They are fucking females. So to the 34% of the females listening into this podcast, as of last time I checked, um, thank you for listening in. Um, yeah, just great shit. And that's a, a very interesting stat, Pato, I must admit. Yeah, uh, we, we deliver all the important stats on the, on the podcast here, Dano. So that's why our listeners tune in. So from us at the Supercoach Co-Captains, I am Dano. And I'm Pato. And this is us signing the fuck Fuck off, off. legends. Yeah. Pato, do you need a bucket? No, I already got rid of it. Um, I'm going to get rid of the bin that I vomited in. Um, Run that out the front. Yep, fair, fair. Because we're still recording and this is going in the pod. (laughs) Lovely. Thanks for that. (laughs) Bye, fuckers.